guys, welcome to another episode of the Meaning of Podcast. I am Ace. This is Ivory 3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite film directors and the deeper meaning within their movies. Oh, yeah. And we are back at it again with another director. This week we're going to be talking about famous, infamous, whatever you want to say, major well-known director M. Night Shyamalan, because regardless of whether you like him or not, he is one of the most popular directors when it comes to name recognition for a general movie-going audience. Mm -hmm. And RB3, that's not very common nowadays, but M. Night Shyamalan is one of those guys who where if there's a movie coming out and M. Night Shyamalan is directing it, people tend to know about it. And we're going to be talking about his filmography, and we're going to be talking a little bit more. Um, I kind of want to have a general conversation about directors and fame and popularity and PR and all that kind of stuff that revolves around uh, directors nowadays and kind of our, our theme of our podcast, which I, I, I kind of want to have a little conversation with you about. The auteur theory and uh, stuff like that. Well, the auteur theory, yeah, yeah correct. This correct. Is, it's, it's fascinating because I actually wanted to come in and have a conversation about that today oh, too, Ace, so. finally, hey, man, man, we're on, we're on the, the same, same page. page. Yeah. Usually we're fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, we're going to get into all that stuff. Uh, in this episode. Uh, last week, we talked about the Oscars uh, nominations. Not too much there. Um, I didn't see any really, uh, any huge relevant um, conversations. Do you want me to go through? I can. Nah, I, I don't know. Did um, you read the comments? Where did uh, get comments? I did. Um, some of them were, um, let me bring it up. Some of them were a little bit critical of, so last week, for anyone who doesn't know or for anyone who didn't listen, uh, we talked about the Oscar nominations and kind of our thought process behind it. Um, a lot of it was talking about um, Green Book and, and how they felt that Green Book is uh, – hmm, that's incorrect. Uh, how they felt that Green Book wasn't uh, as bad as people were saying it was or, or the conversation around it was as bad as people were saying it was. And these comments, guys, just so you know, is left on the YouTube channel. So if you ever want to – First wanna, cut. Um, yeah, YouTube channel. First cut. Yeah. So if you ever want to – uh, leave us a comment. Uh, let us know. Uh, yeah, let's start the with majority the majority of our fans are on uh, Collider Factory. So if you want to see our beautiful faces, please subscribe to First Cut on YouTube. Uh, Max Hackham has a comment, says, love the episode, but personally, I don't think you should bash on a movie or say it didn't deserve a nomination if you haven't seen it. It's very easy to form opinions based off criticism of others, but I don't think it's fair to the film or filmmakers to have criticism about the quality of a film if you've never seen it. I understand if you disagree with the themes, messages, or subject matter, but the actual quality of a film shouldn't be criticized if you haven't seen it for yourself and gathered your own opinions. This is something I notice a lot and usually bothers me. It's not just you guys, but if you... Uh, have a rebuttal to my reasoning, then I would love to hear it. Big, fa big fan of the podcast. Yeah. So um, that's mostly at me. That's it, what you're saying. It, it is. It, yeah. So I, I would like to I do that it. too, to be honest, though. Yeah. I mean, I did it last year with uh, uh, three, bill yeah. three billboards. Yeah. I was bashing the crap out of that movie. Yeah. But again, I wasn't bashing the quality. I was bashing the themes of the movie. Right. Well, it's not. See, that's that's where I that's where I also find, you know, if the, if the Academy Award, this is my rebuttal, Max, so like with all due respect, my my thing is, if the Academy Awards was basing their picks off of quality, then yes, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be making the arguments that I make. But the fact of the matter is, the Academy Awards are not about the quality of the movies. They are supposed they are by design by its original design supposed to reflect what was the best of Hollywood, and it's also supposed to represent, um, and it's also representing. What studios want to prop up as what as what they believe quality represents, and when you have a movie like Green Book that is actively that's retroactively going against 
what the current climate of Hollywood is, where we have Black Panther making a billion dollars, where we have, you know, Black Klansmen uh, and 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 Spike Lee um, finally getting the long deserved Oscar nomination that he rightfully deserves, um, even after thirty even thirty years after the fact, um, after do the right thing. Uh, you know that that now we see movies like Creed two being huge box office hits, Into the Spider Verse being an international global success. Um, the climate of Hollywood is clearly shifting in one direction, and it's like and then and nominating a movie like Green Book is almost like a middle finger to that progression. Um, so I that's why I personally feel like that's why I personally argue against Green Book as a contender. But you know again like. And and if, if it feels based on quality, I have nothing bad to say about the movie's quality. It's probably a great movie. It probably is a great movie. I just haven't seen it. And uh, but again, if the Oscars don't base what they pick off of quality, I mean that's just the history. That's facts. It's whatever narrative, and it's also based on whatever narrative that uh, the categories in and of themselves are pushing. Like, yeah. Um, even and I think people people tend to forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I mean, outside of Best Picture, again, it's the best. It's always the best act, like the best actors or actress. Like, oh, it's always the classic actor versus the newcomer. That's always the narrative they want to paint, even though the third performance that's overlooked is often the best one. Um, so again, like if 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 it was just based on quality, then I would have no problems. But the Academy is based on what is represent what what Hollywood represents. Um, and when we have the history book of Oscar nominees, and we look back to 2018, and we see. The what the box office legacy of 2018 left, what the filmmakers that 2018 bred, and we look at the best picture nominees and we see a movie like Green Book in there, then it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, and you know, we we could talk all day about Bohemian Rhapsody, but <laughs> I don't know if I do. Part of me does want to, man, because I, I I was talking to my my roommate about it last night. It's one of those stories, man, that people don't seem to be talking about, and it's kind of upsetting me to be honest, especially. Um, when film Twitter gets upset about so many other things and has so many yeah. different conversations, or even you know Twitter in general talking about stuff with uh, yeah, I saw there was a big outrage this weekend about Ted Bundy. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, with the movie that came out because it's yeah. it premiered at Sundance, and then a lot of people were criticizing it for glorifying serial killers. I'm kind of in that boat, man. Really? I, I, yeah, I just I mean, I'll still watch the movie, and I'll probably still maybe I'll enjoy it. I don't know. I just feel like Hollywood needs to stop. It, it just needs to stop being fascinated with perverted, weird people who I don't know, man. Ted, I mean, if you know the history of Ted, like why? Like I, I, I just don't see that. That's the kind of stuff that we need to disconnect from right now, in my opinion. And and the stuff with Brian Singer to me should be on every freaking news outlet. It should be covered all over the. It should be like the biggest story right now. And I'm saying the biggest story mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. right now. I mean, if you read, did you read the article? I read it. Yeah, I read that shit. The guy's basically like a human sex trafficker, like he's 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 basically running like a sex trafficking ring. Like yeah, it's like the whole house with the, the whole with the, the house the, that he would the, get and dude, just oh, dude, it's a production company. It's next level. Mm -hmm. it, this guy is like the freaking. I told my roommate, he's like the Pablo Escobar of like sex trafficking, and he's gonna win an Oscar. No, he's, like, he's not gonna win. No, an but Oscar. I'm saying like his movie's his gonna, movie's win, an gonna win an Oscar. Like, yeah. come on, man. I mean, that's also like don't don't yeah. start with that. I don't. To me, it, it, this is the stuff that Hollywood should get behind. It should get behind the condemnation of severe, awful 
pedophilia to the level of of putting down these children, these mm-hmm. little boys, man. I, I don't know. To me, this is the story that, that Hollywood should cover. And for some reason, people are very quiet about it. People are very defensive about Bohemian Rhapsody. And it's like, mm, come on, man. I don't know what's going on, but this is the kind of stuff we got to correct. Mm. I, I mean, I don't know what's up with Hollywood and pedophilia, but I saw, I did see... Um, our boys uh, Edgar Wright and uh, Chris Miller, who we both did episodes on, they said they wanted James Gunn back to direct uh, Guardians 3. I mean, that's some pretty pedophilia-driven stuff James hey, Gunn was tweeting out there, man. Hey. I, I do I do have a question for Edgar Wright and Chris Miller. Uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Kevin Hart? Because I do really, really want to know if they are going to hold the same principle. Because like I said before on the Coen Brothers episode, fire them both. I don't like Kevin Hart. Hosting the Oscars, I don't like James Gunn directing Guardians 3 because that's some sick shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to say that what Kevin Hart said is even remotely quantifiably worse than anything that James Gunn said, you're 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 sick. Like that's that's remotely ridiculous. Yeah. James Gunn was making tweets about touching little boys and he went to parties dressed as a you know child pedophilia and all that stuff. Like, how is that not Sickness that we going to keep promoting. I, but is it because we like James Gunn more? Is it because James Gunn is white and Kevin Hart is black? I mean, that sounds like white privilege if you ask me. So again, then again, like, but then we see no, we see no public outcry for rehiring Kevin Hart. So as shit like that, it just it 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 boggles my mind a little bit. But it, it does get me thinking, like, the pedo- of the of this whole pedophilia angle. Like, is 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 Hollywood really? I mean. That whole documentary came out a few years ago. The uh, the one about the one with singer uh, was it was that she called? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, may, may, I, I think I think there's there's really something going on here, man. Yeah. After that article, man, I'm at a point now where I mean, I've had conversations with a friend of mine who was a Hollywood uh, producer friend of mine who's he told me some stuff. Let's just say that, and he was just like an open book. And when he was telling me all this stuff, I was uh, and this was like a year and a half ago, um, when he mentioned singer. To me, I was like, mm, "You tripping, man!" <laughs> but now I'm like, uh, "Maybe he was right. Uh, maybe, maybe there is some stuff going on in the background that." Because to me, this is the type of conversations. And 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 to go back to your Kevin Hart one, yeah, yeah, I wasn't in that episode when you talked about mm-hmm. it with Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel, but then again, I I could counter your point with with all the stuff that I don't know if you were on Twitter today man with all the stuff that came out about what's his name Jesse uh yeah J- Jesse Jesse and that's exactly why I think Kevin Hart should have been fired that's exactly why we can't keep well, promoting a lot homophobia of people in, in the black community well that's what I'm saying a lot yeah. of, a lot of people in, in the African American community were speaking out against obviously what went down today mm. but I'm saying this is like they would double. They doubled down on the Kevin Hart thing. That's right. what I'm saying. But nobody's d- doubling down on James Gunn when the Brian Singer stuff That's breaks, true. right? That's true. Yeah. So the, yeah. it's 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 is that it's like we it's like we're willing to you know and a lot of black people too. We we stand by our principles and we're gonna point bash it out when it's bad for the most part, you know. Yeah. But then when it, when it comes to you know when it comes to some white director even you know on a broader sense when it comes to a lot of politicians or whatever like any any anything where somebody does something controversial you're much like more likely to get away with it if you're if you're a fair complexion as opposed to if you're from if your blood is african descent you know so yeah. that's just always i mean and, and it's just exposing yourself more and more now as we as we are you know uh as 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 things continue to go on 
There's uh, definitely a double standard there, and you can definitely yeah. see it, especially within the Hollywood community. Right. That most it, it's the loudest voices. I mean, mm. again, we're stepping on so many toes, but whatever. At yeah. this point, the loudest voices tend to be the whitest voices. Let's just say that. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. The people who spoke against oh. Kevin Hart the most, to me, in my I was like, these are all white people speaking out against mm -hmm. Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. I barely saw, but I, this was m coming from me. Mm. The people who usually get the most upset about this kind of stuff is like white people and i'm like all right that's cool but i mean yeah. you're going a little hard and you didn't go hard on james gunn meanwhile i see literal film critics putting hashtag rehire james gunn in their twitter name like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't get it I don't yeah know. I, I, there's definitely a line and and, yeah. and i think especially shout out to the atlantic uh, for read, breaking that story. I I, yeah. I plead with everyone to read that article. It's a disturbing read. It's very difficult, yeah. but it, it it's one of the most important stories in the world that I think everyone should talk about. Because like I told my friend, these are the type of stories you hear coming out of like the Philippines and out of other stories, like really dark stuff coming in other countries that that have dealt with this kind of stuff. However, this is a guy who literally has a movie nominated for best picture. Like this is the kind of stuff that. It gets me upset because it's like, as evil as these drug traffickers are and these uh, sex traffickers are, they're not winning Oscars, man. Mm -hmm. Like, this is stuff that, like, I, in my opinion, we're, we're even if it's Rami Malek, even if it's, so, oh, it didn't have anything to do with it. It's the editor. He didn't have anything to do with it. It's, it's the actor. He didn't have anything to do with it. Honestly, man, I think at this point, there's got to be a line where we draw, where we say, you know what? You're probably right. Most of these people didn't have anything to do with it. But at the same time, there's got to be a line to be drawn when it comes to sexual predators and pedophilia and in the evils that this guy committed that, you know what? Let's do what Glad did and pull it. I, I honestly would be so up for that because at this point, I would pull it. There, there's, there's, I too, pull it. there's too much. I wouldn't pull it for the best actor or for best editing, even though I don't think it deserves the best editing. Yeah. But I wouldn't pull it for those nominees only because those are rewarding specific people. Those are rewarding. And of course, best picture rewards, like, you know, the uh, best picture rewards the producers, but it it's does. a reward for the film. It's sure. a reward for the film. Whereas I feel like Remy Malik. Even though I don't, I don't even know if he should win. But like, even then, like I, I don't know, man. Him, him being like, oh, I didn't know any. It's like, bro, come on. Like, yeah. he, if I knew that before I even came to Hollywood, like mm. this guy's been doing yeah, this everybody since. Everybody like, knew that. Everyone yeah. knew that, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way to yeah, be like, yeah. Don't, I mean, don't start with that, man. But then I just don't think like you should rip awards away from specific individuals, or at least awards nominations from specific individuals. Like, I still think we do got to celebrate the sound people, the editing. People, I think they, even though they, and even, you know, to some extent, because even though they, in some ways, it, in, enabled the behavior or at least connect, collaborated to that extent, uh, there, there is something to be said about, like, the power that Brian Singer had over over these people, right? There is yeah. something to be said about, you know, how much, you know, when, when people have so much money, like Brian Singer got, when you when cut $10 million checks to people, it's hard to come out and expose them because you got lawyers, you got uh, people going to end your career. You got producers saying, "If you if you're going to speak up, you're going we're going to end your career." But, but to um, me, to me, I think now in this time, 2019, we're starting a new year. We we have to, and by we, I mean everyone in this damn city and everyone in this damn country, has to draw a line and say this is not acceptable. When 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 
when the producer of the Red Sonja movie was asked, is Brian Singer going to still be on this movie? And he said, hell yeah, he is. Look at Bohemian Rhapsody. It's nominated for all these Oscars. As if that's more important than the lives of these victims that have been destroyed forever mm-hmm. for, for, for being destroyed by this man who literally treated them as if they were property mm-hmm. and would drug him up and pass them along as if they were in a, an assembly line. Like, that's the darkest thing I've ever heard. And these are 16 and 17 and 14-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And and it's, oh, oh you're going to keep him on the movie because his movies or his his other movie got nominated? That's even more reason for me to pull it. I, 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 to me, it should be pulled because this sets precedent for it to be okay or for it to be brushed under the rug because it's an Oscar director. That, that gets me upset because it, it's one thing if we're speaking out against it. It's another thing if you're rewarding the movie. Right. Uh, that, and, and that's then, what, that's, that was my point in saying that. And that's my – I mean that's that's the separate point from the Green Book point that I'm making. Yeah. But it's the overall general premise of like it's not necessarily the quality of the movie. It's about what these what – these, you're rewarding – you're yeah. rewarding things that aren't that are counter to our culture at the current moment. Like we we're gonna look back in the history books in 2018 and say that for one, this is the year that we nominated a movie directed by a child uh, pedophile after the incredible Me Too movement. Two, this is the year we nominated Green Book after an incredible sweeping wave of black cinema. Three. We don't even show the technical categories during the telecast. Four, we're only showing two songs. Five, we don't have a host. <laughs> hey, damn, what is this Academy Awards adding up to? Ace, is this is this? Are we heading into potentially the worst Academy Awards at yeah. least at least of all time, man? I, I think so, man. <laughs> and, and, and it's it's one of those things too where you were talking about the quality of the film. Mm. It, it, it's just I, I think people are really getting lost on certain conversations and certain things that are happening within the. Uh, Academy within the the Oscar within whatever you want to call it the this kind of film bait movies mm-hmm. conversation where I saw so many think pieces and so many videos and so many tweets talking about Black Panther and Black Panther and Black Panther get Black Panther out of there it doesn't deserve it doesn't deserve it doesn't deserve it that's why I put that tweet out I'm like deserve I mean Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't deserve it. That's, that's a, that's a be, so so movie. See, so many of these movies don't deserve to be up yeah. there. It's all politics, man. Like, yeah. like get it out of your head about deserve. That's what I've been. That's what, it's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I asked the it's question not, last it, week. Exactly. Does these awards really matter? Like, it does. It has yeah. nothing to do with quality. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with quality. I'm not saying that the movies nominated don't have quality. I'm simply saying that it's not purely on a qualitative basis. Right. Because it's not. It's, it's it, it hasn't been for some time. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I think that conversation needs to stop about Black Panther because I'm like, oh, it was okay. So was half those movies. Half those movies were okay. I mean, yeah. I can literally name half the movies nominated for Best Picture were okay movies. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. And I think a lot of people would disagree with me. A lot me. of people are saying this is the worst crop of Best Picture nominees in a long time. Yeah, man. Um, but no, nah, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, that's just where Hollywood's at. But I don't know. think it should be. I, I really nah. do feel like there's this disconnect right now within the Hollywood community that for some reason decides to choose their outrage moments and chooses their yeah. outrage times mm-hmm. but when it comes to 50 victims witnesses that that can literally put in place where this human being was destroying lives i'm like how is this not the biggest story in the world right now like that yeah. to me is like 
It's like money, I said, man, it's, it's like power. some Pablo Escobar type shit, bro. Yeah, it's money and like power. that's evil, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's money and power. Money and power, man. And and it's it's disturbing because it sets a precedent, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the Weinstein. I mean, that's that was that yeah, was what I was saying last week. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was saying last week with Weinstein. Like he kept winning Oscars, kept winning Oscars, kept winning Oscars, kept winning Oscars. This dude was untouchable. And even even back in the '90s when he literally was fighting rape cases. They will pay off lawyers, do this. Yeah. The studio backed it because, of course, they're going to back it because he, they're ma- he's pulling in racks of money, tons of Oscars. But then as soon as, as soon as 2017, 2018 hits, you don't see any of his movies getting any recognition. You see his bank account start running a little low, and then he, he gets out. Same, same thing with R. Kelly. They said R. Kelly's net worth is like a million dollars. So, of course, now will be the, the time to strike when, it, when they do the surviving R. Kelly whole documentary sweep and they, and they get him out of here, you know? Uh, yeah. So we just gotta find a way to hurt Brian Singer's pocketbooks, but they're not hurting them. They they just gave him a hundred million dollar deal. That's so. what I'm saying. It, 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 <laughs> tell me if why am I? I'm freaking out about this because everyone should be freaking out about this, man. Why in this hashtag Me Too movement? Are we seeing people fall like Kevin Hart, like Aziz Ansari, like yeah, all well, Kevin these... Hart didn't really fall. He's still he's still true. Out there, I, I yeah. agree with you on that. But people like Aziz Ansari, people like other people who've, who've been involved in this Me Too movement over the past two years, mm-hmm. as far as being called out and being pushed down, mm-hmm. you could, for the most part, deservingly so. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm telling my friend, I'm last night, I'm like, bro, there's levels to this game, and when you're running a freaking sex pedophile ring. Like, that's a different level than, mm-hmm. you know, what Aziz Ansari is doing. Like, I, I'm sorry to bring that up, but it's the, it's the truth, man. How is Brian Singer getting away with it, but not Aziz Ansari? Like, mm-hmm. wh- where is this? G- Dude, it's it's too much for me to be like, it's oh, tough. it's coincidence. It's yeah. not coincidence. It's sorry, it's boy. straight up like a, a, a cover up like I've never seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it, sorry about that rant, but I really <laughs> do feel like. I'm, it's sorry, a, it's I'm a, sorry, Mr. Shyamalan, if you're watching this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, it's yeah, not. We, we That's like a different level, bro. <laughs> 30 minutes into the episode. Hey, man, at least he doesn't have anything like that on his name. Yeah, no, no. We love you, Shyamalan. Thank you for not being a perv. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. That's literally all we ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, apologies ahead of time, guys. But but again, I'm going to double down on the importance of this story. I yeah. really do feel like it's important. And yeah. if we've heard this from any other person, from any other part of the world, this would be the biggest story in the world. Mm-hmm. But since it's a Hollywood rich white guy who gets so many powerful producers and Oscar-nominated movies, mm-hmm. we hear jack shit. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is so upsetting. And it's the biggest problem within this city, within the Hollywood world, within the movie business itself. Yeah. Is that that's the biggest issue right now, and I think it should be talked about. Yeah, no, hundred percent. With that, guys, let's move on to the career of M. Night Shyamalan. There we go. And before we do so, I I, I kind of want to have a general conversation on the premise of this podcast, and and I really want to put someone like an M. Night Shyamalan to me, the perfect example of that, um, at the forefront because uh, this podcast is generated around conversation on a director, meaning the auteur theory, meaning Mm. that not only is it a a, a piece of art um, connected, I'm sorry, not only is the piece of art something that can be taken in by an audience and interpreted by an audience, but a piece of art being an actual uh, part of a body of work, body of work and and, and staple, almost like a watermark, almost like something that's left on each piece of art by the artist. Mm. And when it comes to a director, something that's much more different than let's say a painting 
or any other type of art form that is much more substantial and something that you can, you know, grab and, and feel and hang up on your well. Whereas a movie, there's there's interpretations, there's background, there's so many different factors that come into interpreting and taking in a quality of a movie. But when it comes to now, the day the day and age we live in now in Hollywood versus the 60s or 70s or versus any other time period where a director is synonymous with their movie, where we think about a director and we think about their movie. Um, what, what do you think about these types of topics, RB3, and especially when it comes to someone like M. Night Shyamalan, because I feel like nowadays, public perception, public opinion, and honestly, just fame in general, fa famous directors for being famous for making great movies. Obviously, the biggest example of that is Steven Spielberg. Um, someone could also say George Lucas being the biggest example of that. Um, but I would say Spielberg is probably the staple of when someone average middle of America person thinks of a director, they think of Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. um, M. Night Shyamalan also got that type of popularity and it was based on the coverage, the media coverage based on him. Um, when he made The Sixth Sense, obviously that was like his breakout film, something that gave him a name recognition. Um, and in the following movies, it, it, it's a very interesting story to say the least. Interesting is a mm -hmm. you know, loose word, I guess I could say. It's, it's a... It's a telling story mm. about the coverage of a director and about the quality of their films being synonymous with their name, right? You know, the, the irony of M. Night Shyamalan back, you know, when he was making The Sixth Sense and M. Night Shyamalan when people would laugh in trailers. Yeah, it, during, and After Earth. And After Earth, coming, and people yeah. would literally laugh in the audience when mm -hmm. they would see that name pop that. up. Yeah. It, this is the true rise and fall of the art tour And theory. rise again. Yeah, and rise again. Like this is the true story of our tour theory of someone who's connected to their movie so much so that the artist is blamed when it's bad and it's given all the praise when it's good. Yeah, I mean the whole you know. So here, here's it's funny you, you come in you know saying this and and having this discussion because we don't really talk about this show. We don't before we record it. We just literally turn on the yeah. button, Sorry. start talking. Yeah, uh, that's I, I kind of like it like that. Yeah, to it's be, good though. That's it's the good. only reason why I don't do it yeah. is because I don't want to give you notes and stuff yeah, of mine. Yeah, but it's fascinating because I have been um, very. Just in my film classes in general, we've been exploring the auteur theory. It's consistently, all through my four years of film school, we've always kind of tackled the idea of the auteur theory. And, um, and uh, but very specifically in the last couple of weeks. And um, for me, it's fascinating because I, I think that when I when I first started film school, I was a very hard believer of like, yeah, an auteur is a director who makes the film and it's his film and that's it. And you know, every film that he makes is 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 all him. And um, upon upon being in film school for as long as I've been in, I kind of regressed up from that position uh, you know, internally. I kind of think that it's a lot of other elements that sh we should incorporate into. A film other than just this director. I mean, you know, of course, on the on the surface level, we're talking about writers, actors, editors, how they change movies and how they add their voice in there, and cinematographers, how how that would you know change or or make make differences in movies. Um, but even on a on a much broader scale, we also got to think about socioeconomical climates that we're in, right? How uh, how a, a director and how a French director in the 1950s. Um, is more influenced by uh, by the the unoccupation of the uh, post post World War II, how how they are being liberated, how somebody in 
uh, how somebody in post-World War II Italy uh, kind of has to reshape, how, how that whole ideology reshapes after occupation there. So it's, it's things like that that, you know, or even or even to contemporary examples, how someone like a Jordan Peele goes from directing, uh, writing and directing Key and Peele sketches to making a movie like Get Out, um, how somebody like a Michael Bay, you know, as much as we talk about Michael Bay and, and shit on Michael Bay, how he how his how his filmography also represents a separate slice of, of American as 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 a, a separate slice of Americana exceptionalism, right? Like how it re, how his movies represent a certain place of, of American and a, a certain place of not just American, but like um, meritocracy, like how his house films represent like a more of a, like a masculine, like, oh, you have to go out there and do your thing. They're, they're action movies, you know, like bad boys and shit like that. How, how, how his movies represent that. But then on the flip side, you have a, a director like Spike Lee, whose movies are, all uh, you know are all politically relevant in terms of like police brutality and all this so it's 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 a lot of flip sides to what the auteur theory in and of itself can actually mean because the inside world of of the film and the outside world can have almost as much of an effect as 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 anything and then especially during this time we have Pixar is almost the exact contradiction to the auteur theory because even though they have like director they have like a director and a writer you know that that's like you know the name of the the film. A lot of times their movies are developed in groups. Like a lot of times they have a lot of people involved in the writing process. They have a lot of people involved in the animation process and the and the storyboarding process. And you know they basically make the whole movie before they even start animating it. Um, so stuff like that 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 really gets you thinking uh, about what being an auteur really means. But in a particular case, and you know a lot of people a lot of a lot of a lot of old journalists kind of argue against the auteur theory too because it's, um, it promotes like this level of elitism and 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 film culture. How and you know especially during the old times when you know a lot of this auteur theory stuff started to come up, nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. Some in, in America through this critic named Andrew Andrew Saris, uh, a lot in in France through Francis Truffaut and. Um, even he and Hitchcock kind of collaborated and talked a little bit about auteur theory in, in America. Um, so all of that, all of that, all kind of wrapped up. It, 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 it's always promoted like the idea of like the the man director because at the time there's no woman director and there's really no people of color directing. So what the auteur theory was essentially saying is it will essentially promote it was except exceptionalism amongst. The white male directors who are making these movies. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, there there is a case to argue for the auteur theory too, right? In the, in the sense that if we don't have what we consider as auteurs, we're just going to get basic formula studio movies that we're getting in the 1940s, 1950s, sure. and even we're seeing which we do have, which we do have today, and we yeah, have a lot we, of those today. We have a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then uh, the auteur theory also allows space for people like Coen Brothers, people like. You know, to some extent, uh, to some extent, you know, uh, you know, I think somebody like a, a Ryan Coogler kind of falls almost not in the middle, but he he has a very distinct style, but it's also he does have a very broad kind of commercial, you know, yeah. st- uh, appeal to him as well. Um, but you know, it, but even in especially somebody like M Night, mm-hmm. um, Tarantino is the perfect example of like the quintessential like American auteur that we think of today. Yeah. Um, but even in, even his movies are 
and you can argue his movies are mostly stolen from other movies. So, mm-hmm. where, where or, you... tr- or tributes to other movies yeah. is, is the other word you would use. Uh, yeah, it, It's very interesting, right? Because you think of the auteur theory when it's placed into something, like I said before, when it comes to actual physical arts like paintings or let's mm. say a book which is very much a, an artist sits down and does what he wants it's to an do. individual it, thing it's an individual work whereas lit- making a movie is the most collaborative art form there is right mm. it's literally a collaboration obviously there's music as well it's very collaborative mm. um, but making a film is probably one of the most if not the most collaborative work of art because it is a work of art technically or is it i mean have we come to a point now where a film is purely commercial um, and it's purely based to sell you on something. No, art, art is commercial. That's art has true. always been commercial. That's true. But movies, movies specifically, I, I feel like have become um, purely in a capitalistic sense of of in order to achieve some sort of purpose. I mean, obviously, I disagree with that because I do feel mm. like otherwise we wouldn't have this podcast. Right. Um, I feel like there is, like you said, good to it. Um, and there can be bad to it. And like you said, the, the negative to it is this exceptionalism. This, um, I, I actually want to add to that. This, this um, elitism, but also the, 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 the worship of these artists that mm-hmm. I feel like can be... Idolization. Idolization. Mm-hmm. It can be very dangerous. Yes. Um, one of the reasons, and there's a lot, but one of the reasons why I hated... Um, Ready Player One last year um, was one of those reasons why I hated the idea of of this w- bizarre religion worship around this artist that made this video game world. It, it just felt so odd and so bizarre to me. But yet again, it could possibly happen. But the fact that it was brushed along like, oh yeah, he's God because he made a video game world, like it, 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 it <laughs> because felt, he had all that money for making that. But video that's game. what I'm saying. Like that's why I hated this movie because it felt like this kind of worship of this capitalistic nerdy genius white guy mm. who who watches over us with his grace and power that he left down on us mm. and, and it's like we can worship him by remembering his memories and i was mm. like what is this i i felt i think that's what i felt I, so put off by it i was like are you are you serious this is yeah. some dark i get i mean that's post apocalyptic and that's why i like that i mean that's I, why, yeah, I thought it was no, like but it so wasn't, dark it wasn't like, played that way it yeah. wasn't played dark it was played very much like benevolent he's a benevolent loving father watching over us <laughs> and i was like yeah 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 no he's not yeah. this is some weird yeah. worship of our idea i like i you said idolization of mm-hmm. of of our the mm-hmm. perfect uh, uh um uh, nerdy guy that everyone mm. feels like, oh, I'm a nerdy guy and I can't do it. Well, mm. he was a nerd too. And it's like, yeah, but that's not, yeah. that shouldn't be where our, our, our But it's believable. I, I can totally, I can, it, I can it, see it. It was not, but no, he was can, literally <laughs> God. And I was yeah. like, are we serious? We're making another God? <laughs> no, I can see somebody, pro- no, he wasn't God. He, he was programmed God. himself as God. He programmed himself as God. That's what I'm video. saying. <laughs> I could totally see, I could see. I could he see. literally comes out in a robe and shines. This is what I'm saying. I could see tomorrow, I could see tomorrow Elon Musk releasing a VR Headset game where he programs himself as God, and he where and and yeah, but at that's the end supposed of, and to it, be good. And but I see, I could totally see the world falling for it if at the end of the game you win a billion dollars. Like, sure, I could totally see the world falling for that. I, I can, um, I, 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 yeah, but I think it's evil. Yeah, it is evil, and that's why. <laughs> but that's it's why played it's as no, but it's played as beautiful <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the movie. It's, it's worship. You're yeah, getting closer yeah. to the Lord and yeah. Savior of this um, video game maker, and I was mm. like, what? Mm. No, yeah. I, the book's it, way worse. The book's way worse. Oh, by the way, I heard. <laughs> but I was like, this is no way for me. That's a point off. <laughs> 
for this movie. But anyways, <laughs> um, that's one of the reasons why I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really is this bizarre fascination. that, uh, and, and, and it comes, RB3, back to our first conversation. It comes to the point where... Um, our, our reverence and our worship of this person, whether it be, be because of the quality of their films or the money that these films make, becomes so powerful that now that power has gone to their head to the point now that they feel like they can do whatever they want. And with the money and the power that they have, guess what? They can do whatever mm-hmm. they want. We have so many cautionary tales about this. But the big again, Quentin Tarantino is another guy. I mean, he's known for being crazy on set. Mm. Most of these directors that we talk about, Michael Bay is known for being crazy on set. I've been on set with some directors, and I thought it was, oh, it's over the top and it's a myth. It's not a myth. These directors really do feel like they have the power and the authority to demean people, to abuse people, to scream at people, to undermine people, to screw people over because they're an artist. And, and, and that is very disturbing within itself because that's what the Hollywood system has been built around now. I, I don't know. That, mm-hmm. that to me is, is – that's when the Artur theory becomes very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it can be very dangerous. It can I think be good, but dangerous. I think that's what led to where we have Shyamalan now. I mean that's why mm-hmm. – I mean at least like Shyamalan to his, his downfall, right? Because there, there's a lot of um, – a lot of the reasons why people have, have turned against Shyamalan or at least yeah. – a lot, a lot, a lot of the stories have been that he has, uh, like he, he, he's very much his own, like force. Like he doesn't want any kind of studio notes. interference, yeah. any kind of notes. I mean, he's a very, I mean, of course, I mean, you should be after you make something as dope as the Sixth Sense, though, like to some extent. But I guess you know that's always going to be a great filmmaker's downfall is not being able to listen to some extent. And and you know, I never want to tell somebody like, no, you should, you have to listen to what. Mm-hmm. Somebody else says, because I don't think, I think for artists, like you have to, it's, it's, it's totally up to the artists and themselves, their ability to collaborate, what they want to, what they want to bring to the table, how personal the story is to them. But for someone like, you know, for someone like for M. Night, and when, when you're on a t- cover of Time Magazine and you're being called the next Steven Spielberg, like, you're going to, you're going to, that's going to float to your head. Uh, and you're going to, and you're going to, and you're, you're going to feel that way. So it's, it's no, it's no slight at him that he would feel as great as he does. Um, but then I think particularly in his later movies, um, well, not in his later movies, I think throughout his filmography, a lot of his films just end up becoming, uh, him criticizing people who criticize his movies. Like, I think that's a, that's a very big point. And, you know, something like Lady in the Water, that's a very big point and a new release film that he has that we're not going to talk about. Um, and I, I think that, I think he just, he loves like poking the fun at like, Oh, like I'm an artist and you're not an artist, and let me just tell you how much of a dope artist I am because you're a critic. Or and it's not even just that, but that's that's you always get that little slimy little feeling like throughout like all of his films, um, at least a lot of his latter films, at least. Yeah, and it's interesting now because usually when that happens around a film, public perception is usually for the director. Anytime mm-hmm. we hear of a falling out between a studio and a director. Whose side does the does the people do the people take? It's all, almost always the director. Mm-hmm. Hardly have I heard. Oh, the studio was right, and it's like no. Usually we we hear oh release the, the Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut. Yeah. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, yeah. uh, Josh Trank, yeah. all, all these directors who had a huge falling out with the studio in the movie to the point where. You know, we never take the side of the collaborative effort. We take the side of the auteur theory. Let them do what they want to do because mm-hmm. they're the artist. Yeah, that's the side we take. Well, also, I think, I think, I think, 
I think also that that's a little bit of like the studios seen as the suits, you know, the studios mm-hmm. seen as like the elites who are taking care, who are taking advantage of this artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 the the auteur theory does like make does promote elitism, but it also like it also does to some extent protect artistry to some extent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think uh, you know something like a, a, talking about Zack Snyder. He's the perfect example of somebody who's an auteur that I think most people who are critics or or enjoy, who are cinephiles or, or, you know, a lot of people don't enjoy his work, just to be frank. And I don't think they will be so willing to hand him that auteur title as as I'm willing to, because I think. But but then again, I don't I don't I don't even know if we should actually even look at directors as auteurs, because like I said, it's like there's so much more that we we got to consider. But. Um, I, I I think that I think that I think that somebody like a Zack Snyder, if if anybody fits into the definition of what not tour is, there's there's it's Zack Snyder, there's Michael Bay, Quentin um, Tarantino. There's, there's Tarantino, but I mean I'm talking about like bad you know people who are normally seen as bad directors. Oh, I see what like, you're saying. Shyamalan. Like Shyamalan is, is a perfect example. Is, yeah, people but pe- people hate his movies. Yeah, but he but to me he's a very clear auteur because he yeah. does have the very consistent. He has a very consistent style and. He has a very consistent uh, twist that he likes to mm. put on all of his movies. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, something I want to say too, and it's uh, it's another shout out. I give shout outs a lot on this podcast. Mm. I want to give a shout out to uh, someone I've mentioned before on this podcast, Lindsay Ellis. Oh yeah, uh, I've been binging a lot of her shit. Yeah. She has a lot of videos about our tour theory, specifically mm. Michael Bay. She recently, and by recently, I feel like a month ago, did a video of Death of the Author. I haven't seen that one. Um, which is, yeah, you should check it out, which is literally all about this. It's mm-hmm. about how um, let the author die and, and let the work be interpreted of itself and mm-hmm. the worship of the author. Yes, and, and she mainly yeah. takes it back to J.K. Rowling uh, with the Harry Potter franchise and how she's like changing stuff now on her Twitter and she can just do that because it's J.K. Rowling and no mm-hmm. one can say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it's it's a really interesting video. She interviews the guy who wrote Fault of Our Stars. Oh, really? Um, oh, uh, uh, Hank Green? Hank Green, yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. Um, and she talks a little bit about the Artur theory with him and the death of the author. Um, so if anyone wants to check it out, go on YouTube and check out Lindsay Ellis. She has yeah. great videos about this conversation. She's great. I actually saw she did a three-parter on The Hobbit uh, That's franchise. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you see those videos? I, I haven't seen nah, them. Those, those rocked me to my core. Because like the first two are just like talking about the movies. Yeah. And then the third one's like actually talking about like the geopolitics of like there was like a whole f- thing with the, the with the new 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 Zealand film industry and how oh. the Hobbit films like literally destroyed like their entire film industry. And it was like it was it like literally like there's there's few documentaries that I'll like watch that like really rock me, but that one was like oh fuck like yeah because she interviewed people like like crew people and shit like that it was just crazy like it yeah. was insane. No, um, shout out to her. She, she makes some She's great, great stuff. Um, let's USC too, by the way. Final. Oh yeah, USC. Yeah. Um, let's go into the rise and fall of Shyamalan, starting with the Sixth Sense. This is yeah. the rise. Yeah. This is what made what made him a name director. What is it about this movie that people consider to be so great? RB three. Um, well, I think I think I think outside of the twist, I mean, everybody remembers the twist. Yeah, everybody knows at this the point, twist. even if you haven't seen the movie, you know the yeah. twist. The twist is the twist is the twist. But I think outside of the twist is actually a really great movie in and of itself. Uh, of course, there's uh, Harry Harry Joe Osment as mm. the kid. Um, Bruce Willis as the therapist, and I, I think what I think what really this film showed, I think why people are willing to hand Shyamalan the auteur kind of kind of series because he 
takes he he takes a lot directly from Hitchcock. Like this is a very Hitchcockian type of film in the sense that like a lot of elements are introduced very sneakily, like through dialogues, very dialogue heavy. And it's also a lot about um, it's also a lot about the 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 range of of morality, right? Like how like it really makes you question what is moral, what is good. Is it is it is it you know uh, a lot of the ghosts that we've seen are people who have dealt with individual trauma, and I think that's also a consistent theme through Shyamalan's work is trauma, right? How trauma inflicts and 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 how trauma affects a person and how uh, that effect on that person influences the character the character's decisions throughout the entire movie. Um, so he, he he plays a lot on that. Um, yeah, when when you know when you, when they say the next Steven Spielberg, like that's. I think I think a more appropriate comparison would be the Hitchcock one yeah. because this does feel very similar to a Hitchcock. I feel like that thing. would even be more pretentious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the no, Time but, Magazine be the next Hitchcock. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, okay. I mean that's heavy, but I mean really Hitchcock was one of the original people who promoted the outdoor theory. That's one hundred percent true. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I, 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 but yeah, but I think in terms of in terms of Shyamalan style, uh, it the Sixth Sense is really successful because it tells a genuinely great story without the twist and then with the twist it just adds in a completely different layer so it's like a double it's like two magic tricks that you're pulling off at once and he there's even a moment in the film where they where where uh the, the where uh, the main character uh, i don't remember any of the characters names uh but where Haley joe asman and, and and bruce willis are talking to each other um and they they're talking about a magic uh a magic trick with like the penny in the hand and like how the the penny stays in like one hand even though he's like moving it all around or whatever but it's it's a magic trick it's diversion right mm-hmm. I think that's Shyamalan's reflective way of saying like yeah this is this is the this is the trick I'm playing on you you you're looking this way but really you should be looking over here um, yeah. and I think that's just uh, to some extent that's really brilliant but the fact that this movie still really like stands up like on its own and it still has a really deeply eerie kind of sense to it as well is really dope. Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the aftermath of The Sixth Sense and what happened to his career after yeah. this. He blew up like crazy. This movie was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated. Best Director. Um, so was uh, Haley Joel, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Youngest Actor nominated for Best Supporting Actor, if I'm not mistaken. And, and after that, that, that's when you got the Time Magazine article. That's when you got the um, M. Night Shyamalan commercials um, promoting him to be, you know, from the creative mind of M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. What everyone, like I said before, laughed at, you know, recently, back in that time, they were like, oh, crap. What is he going to come out with next? And that was Unbreakable, mm. RB3. And I believe the the reviews for it were mainly were mainly positive reviews. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love Unbreakable. Yeah. Uh, this is. Uh, what Tar- do you think about this? Tarantino's gone on record saying this is his favorite superhero movie uh, multiple times as well. There you go. Um, but yeah, um, I this is my personal favorite Ash Shyamalan's filmography. Um, for me, this is uh, clear by far and away. Um, his his best film, and not just because I mean, of course, we love comic book. Yeah, I was gonna say this came out in two thousand. Yeah, which is the same year that X Men came out. Yeah, but um, this is when shit like this was unmarketable. Like you couldn't market. That's true. A movie ba- because it was based on the comic book. In fact, it was like it was the exact opposite. The studios didn't want him to make this movie because it was like a comic inspired movie. It wasn't even based on anything, but no. they were just like, and that that was like a double whammy because it was like it wasn't based on anything, so people. It wasn't based on anything, so it wasn't like an IP to sell, but it was very comic book heavy. So it was like, what the what the fuck were they going to do with it, you know? So, uh, and, but it was it was Disney, and Disney Disney released it under Touchstone Pictures, um, which is actually 
really dope of them to do because I think and this movie's in the, this movie's rated PG thirteen, right? All the Shyamalan's movies are rated PG thirteen. I don't think. Oh, well, let's see. Um, yeah, as far check. as all of them, I don't know. But um, for yeah, Unbreakable, yes. Even Glass is Glass rated PG thirteen. Yeah, because now is. I'm looking at it like. That was that could have been a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, yeah I think it was PG. That's crazy. Okay, but it's crazy to me that his movies are as dark yeah. and subject matter as they are, and still manage to hold a PG thirteen rating. And they're still regarded as like horror movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the visit uh, isn't that art? But you know, but it's, no, it's PG thirteen. That's PG. All of his movies are PG thirteen. But that's amazing to me because when you look at something like Unbreakable. Unbreakable opens with a massive train wreck, but you don't see the train wreck, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you know, what, what Shyamalan is telling you and what Shyamalan continues to tell you throughout his entire filmography is that the, 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 the big action, the, 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 the explosions, that stuff you don't need to see. That's not what's essential to the story. What's essential to the story is how these events are affecting the characters and how these, and how these characters interact under these circumstances. For super for this to be a so-called superhero movie, this is basically like an independent feature. For for a lot of it, I mean, it's very low budget, it's mostly talking, mostly dialogue, um, inspired. But then, um, but then the greater context of of the actions are a lot cool, a lot bigger, and a lot have much more much higher ramifications. Um, so I think that's brilliant in the way that he approaches the material from that angle. I also think this is his best directed film. Uh, from I think I mean there's, there's it's like creative shot after creative shot after creative shot. There's the one take when they're on the when Bruce Willis first gets on the train and it's in between the seats and the camera moves back and forth between seeing Bruce Willis, the person he's sitting with. Then it goes to the scene where he's in a hospital and then like him and the doctor having a conversation and the camera slowly pushes in and the background the the uh, the the person there's a person in the white sheet and the the blood is just gushing out from from the sh- from the sheet but like just very slowly it's it's perfect it's like almost every shot was inspired when the weightlifting scene when the the when the camera pulls up and down as as he's like lifting the weights all of it is just like very he he, he was killing it with the directing um so yeah, this is this is my favorite. So you think from from the sixth sense following that up with Unbreakable, this is him hitting back to back game winners. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, he, I mean, this, I mean, and and but I don't know the box office performance of Unbreakable. Yeah. I don't know. If this I don't one think was it did hit. that. I think it did okay. Right, right, yeah. right. But I mean, for the again, considering two thousands comic superheroes, that was seen as like a red flag for Hollywood, is unmarketable. Um, it, it, it it had to perform, you know, at least to some extent, pretty decent. Yeah, um, and, and it's also a definition on what he defines himself genre-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was doing Sixth Sense to Unbreakable to Signs. Um, mm-hmm. Genre-wise, he's been trying to do... Uh, he, you can tell it's similar, but it's still different enough to where you can they're respect all, They're it. all psychological thrillers, but yeah. they incorporate other genres. I feel like... I feel like Sixth Sense is the psychological thriller meets the melodrama. This, you know, uh, uh, Unbreakable psychological thriller meets uh, superheroes. Signs is psychological thriller meets straight up sci-fi. I mean, that's mm-hmm. alien, alien invasion. And what do you think of this one as a follow-up to Unbreakable? Um, this is also a great one. I mean, mm-hmm. this is see, this is why I don't. I mean, I might have to be a little bit of a defender for Shyamalan sure. for, in this in this episode. Um, but I personally, for me, I always have a rule with directors like. If you make three, if you make three hits, then you are a bona fide success. Like if you only have one good movie, 
then you're you know you're kind of one hit wonder to some extent. Like not not to criticize any one hit wonder directors, but you know there are some directors who very clearly have that one movie and made nothing else good. You know, um, but to me, when you make three, you get that you get that you get that class of like you are you're you know this is you this is you're not a fluke you know yeah. and this is this is the third one where you're like yeah this is this is and sick. you hit it back to back to back yeah but you know again Creepy. people people criticize I mean people the sixth sense didn't really have an ending that you could really cri- cri- criticize because it sure. kind of the twist came in the middle. The twist came in the middle for 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 the sixth sense. So the rest of the movie kind of played out and had a satisfying resolution. Um, a lot of people don't like the twist at the end of Unbreakable. Um, the fact that Mr. Glass uh, uh, and Mr. Glass is is, is uh, you know behind all these terrorist attacks, and which by the way I I didn't even say this, uh, but I think I think what's even what's even nicer about Unbreakable is. How it demyth, how it's a, a mythalization of superheroes, but it's almost a demythalization as well because it does say that if these superheroes were to exist in real life, they wouldn't be some grandiose like Superman jumping high from the sky. They would just be like normal, basically almost normal people. Um, and how if that really warrants like any idolization? Um, but um, going back to what, what what going back to the ending of that, the ending of that was largely. Uh, criticized. criticized, and the, and ending the, large of of the, the ending of science is largely criticized as well because of the the whole water thing. How the yeah. aliens, which I think that's that's an unnecessary criticism. Mm-hmm. I think that's not a fair. You know, you, you think should, it works the the water thing? I think it, I think it works, but I don't think you should like. I don't know. I don't really care if it works. Like honestly, like there's so much else great in the movie, and I think that to me, I I I'm really against this whole like nitpicky film criticism culture that we're in, and I think. People have a fill day. Like I, 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 I actually really like the channel. Uh, Your movie sucks. I don't know if you heard of that. Or I have, and I've never yeah. clicked on it because of the title. Yeah, yeah. See, because to be they, honest, RB three, I'm in the. Ex- I agree with you 100. Yeah, yeah. I hate this mm-hmm. nitpicky, mm-hmm. stupid. I'm a the film era. critic yeah. kind of mentality now that people right. hate everything. Like. Right. Jesus Christ, like right. you guys hate everything. Right. I mean the, the your movie says guys, he does like he actually likes some movies that he talks about. But yeah. His his, his thing, he he it's weird for him be I I'm a fan almost, but he blends he'll blend like actual legitimate criticisms with a movie, like yeah. talking about story structure and all that stuff. And he'll blend it in with the nitpicky bullshit. And that just to me is like you're you just you know, at least cinema sins is like you're you're being nitpicky, but like if it, yeah, like you know, Cinema you know. Sins lost me. Like, yeah, oh, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, yeah, I watched, I, I lost some. It's, unless it's like a film that I personally hate, then I'm yeah. like, I'm ready to watch. I'm ready to watch one of those. Yeah. Even um, then, I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 at least for them, is is very clearly a thing of like they're not really criticizing in the movie. Uh, but I I I do I yeah we we are in like the peak like nitpicky yeah. uh, this uh, this logical decision didn't make sense so uh, this whole movie falls apart. I think apart. someone had a video about that about the the uh, was it Film Joy or was it Patrick Willems? Patrick uh, Willems I think it was. Patrick Willems maybe. had a great video about how everyone is. T- yeah, it is Patrick Willems about how everyone is talking about the most nitpicky. Yeah, that's annoying. And it's that's ruining, awful. Yeah, you know, film criticism. Because I agree. yeah, I think and you know I I always go back to Hitchcock because that's my boy now. Uh, ever since I had the Hitchcock class, um, but he to him to I think he somebody asked him like. In, in your films, like why why don't the characters just call the police? And his simple answer is because that's boring, 
You know, like, and that's true. Like, you just—I mean, just let the story, let the story be the story. You know, don't try and go in there with all this like, uh, like this decision you make any sense, or unless it's like character. If if it's like a character decision, that that's a different, sure. that's a different story. But if it's something like, oh, uh, like I saw, like, like I, I, I got annoyed by the particularly the year movie sucks guys because he was going after uh, a quiet place uh, for some very particularly like. Like some stupid shit, like oh why why are they walking outside uh, with the kid if if he's deaf and you know like like okay like of course that's like you could criticize the movie for that but like, yeah I think come a lot on of like people, go with the story like I think a lot of people had some hot takes about it they're like yeah. well, if the sound is doing this then they yeah like, if, they, oh, if, if, if 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 the waterfall if the, if they can't talk one no one waterfall then why don't they just live by the waterfall like okay like. They yeah. don't, so yeah. just get over it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, but if there are some legitimate. I've seen some people actually have some real, real, real problems with a quiet place that that, that are legitimate. But so we talked about the three movies that he kind of hit back to back to back. Yeah, Signs and, and I, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. And so okay, so also let me say one more thing about Signs before okay. we move on. I also think that what Joaquin Simic, what Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Simic, Jesus, Joaquin Phoenix brings to this movie. He kind of he kind of has that like silent stoicness that like is consistent through like Bruce Willis and the previous two roles uh, that they had that Bruce Willis had in Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. But he has it's it's almost more of it's almost baked more into like the the setting. I almost feel like like the living in the, in the Midwest, like in the in the farm in the middle of nowhere, like the isolationism and how that kind of builds the character along with. The other, uh, in respect to other characters of, in the story, uh, I think is really dope. Yeah, plus Joaquin is a beast. Yeah. Um, now, we, we talked about those three that he kind of, you know, we can call the rise. Mm. Now let's talk about the fall. Um, he did it with four movies, back to back to back, four movies, RB3, mm. four, mm. That, that made M. Night Shyamalan's name laughable. Mm. Uh, the Village, 2004, 2006, Lady in the Water, 2008, The Happening. 2010, The Last Airbender. Yeah. Let's talk about those four before we get right. to After Earth. Because I feel like After Earth was him, like, that's peak. trying. Oh, really? Oh, trying. No, okay. but, like, tr- tr- trying and failing, but but it, it felt like he was, like, he felt like he was taking a break after these four, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, literal, like, rocks in his face. Yeah, okay, so I didn't, um, so... For this question, I didn't see the village like all the way through. Okay. I, I saw, so I I did try and watch like thirty minutes of it before getting here. Sure. Today, um, it's on Netflix, so yeah. I tried to check it. I watched Six Sense on Netflix. What about um, Lady in the Water? Uh, uh, so I didn't finish the village. Lady in Water, I've seen before. I've seen it a few years ago. Uh, sure. And that's not a good movie. And then the, uh, <laughs> the happening is not a good movie. Uh, that's not almost a like a good movie. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think that's one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah, <laughs> the happening. Have you seen yeah, that movie? Yeah. RB three. Yeah, it's not. Ooh. You know, as a kid, I'm not gonna lie. I saw it as a kid, man. I saw it when it came out. Yeah, like not. We didn't see it in theaters. My dad I mean, got we, got the bootleg, but I, 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 as a kid, I thought it was like it wasn't the worst thing ever. But uh, of course, like watching it now. I was gonna say you just saw the sequel with Bird Box. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> mic drop. Uh. Nah, I, come I, think, me. I think I'm gonna give. Come at me, I bro. Think I'm giving the bird box over is, bird box. Though. Oh, bro, I'm even happening. Bird, over box bird box is bad, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it literally like the first thought. I li- I, wa- I was watching 20 minutes in this movie. I'm like, is this the happening part two? Because <laughs> it's same quality. <laughs> the happening has some cool shots. Like they had it a, does, they had a one but take that doesn't in make it a good movie. No, it's not. It's not a good movie. 
movie. Not, oh, not, not Zoe Deschanel. Shout out to Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone of... talks about Mark Wahlberg yeah. in the movie, which is legendary. Yeah. Yeah. But Zoe Deschanel, to me, is like the runaway star in this movie. Yeah. Where, where she just plays the same face in every scene. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is what... I mean, obviously, th- these are the movies... Let's talk about these three first before I talk about The Last Airbender because I think that's in a different level um, as yeah. far as... But a lot of people don't see the village as a disappointment. Uh, well, really? some people, some people see it. I mean, I think I you think, think it's more of like a, a the expectations. It's the expectations. May, the expectations. Him declining with his expectations versus just pure awful movie. Yeah, I think some people. I, I, I would agree. It was a step down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I feel like there's levels to this game, man. I feel yeah. like. From bad, like the happening, so bad, and then the last airbender is even worse. Like it, it, yeah. get, it comes down. Why well, have you seen Lady in the Water? Though? Yeah, Lady in the Water is pretty bad too, though. Yeah, I don't know. But if, I think I the happening is. Hap- I think the happening is just like one of the worst. Oh, okay. So like you're just Lady in the Water the, is bad. You're take Lady in. So I. I'll take Lady in the Water. Yeah, hundred. The happening is. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like that. That movie to me makes like no sense. Yeah. Um. I I I don't really I I like I could get laughs out of the happening though you know what I mean like, yeah but it laughs because like, it's so bad the lady <laughs> lady in the water is not even like entertaining to watch like, that's <laughs> hey, true hey, hey, but hey. I could see what he was going for versus the happening it, that's like the king of the Razzies man <laughs> like, like it's really bad nah hey man but I I actually uh, I, I I think I think I think the lady in the water in particular. Is super interesting because it's, of course, it's, uh, it's uh, our best picture winner, uh, The Shape of Water, before The Shape of Water. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man and, and Fish Lady. Um, it's also definitely the one film that he gets into his like, creativity That's bag. right. He wrote himself in the movie. He wrote himself in the movie yeah. as an angry critic yeah. who, who hates... And it's so it's such a weird thing, man. Like it's I, really bad. He always... I don't know if this is just a thing he's going to keep doing through his movies or... I mean, because I don't, I don't think I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about Glass, but Glass, Glass in a very, very, very subtle way, kind he did of it again. insinuates the same thing of like yeah. fuck the critics, like you yeah. know, uh, people are gonna like what they like, you know, and 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 um, and I, I think that I think that th- that this movie definitely encompasses mm-hmm. his feelings towards people's reactions towards the village, people's reactions towards you know, some people have the more negative reaction towards signs than. Than, than others, uh, but and most, he literally wrote a character so he can yeah. tell off that character. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, so I don't. I think that. I think that's fascinating. I think that's the the peak of the auteur the auteurism and what that can lead to. Um, well, that's that's what it comes to, right? Yeah. That, that that he that his trailers have become almost infamous for just slapping his name onto everything, mm. to the point of like, all, all right, man, we get it. You made this movie. Um, and to the point of laughs, man. I mean, people would laugh in the theater when they would see M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. in the name. And I think it's because of this little middle period that he had with these four movies that I just named, especially The Happening. I'm telling you, man, The Happening's next level. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. I mean, The Last Airbender, because it's not Avatar The yeah, Last Airbender. Not, yeah. um, this is, I remember when this movie was coming out, and I remember hearing about it. I saw it in theaters. Uh, me too. Um, and, it, and it, yeah, you were probably four. No, I, was, <laughs> I actually remember because me and my cousin were like the biggest uh, Avatar: Last Airbender fans. So let, we, let me tell you, so, I'm gonna yeah. teach you a little. But so, it is your section. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Avatar: The Last Airbender is like literally my life. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like my dog's name is Korra. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Avatar world um, is is me and my friends and I were like 
next level obsessed, like next level. I'm talking like forums. I'm talking like theories. Uh, it's like I would go into the avatar forums and, and obviously the core forums too. I would talk about the different levels of bending, uh, just all this kind of stuff that I really like my buddies and I were so into, especially during this time, um, which is following up the, the perfect finale. Like I, I can talk about so many times, although Avatar The Last of the Finale is perfect mm. in my opinion. So my anticipation for this movie was pretty, pretty freaking high, even though it was Shyamalan, because a lot of people were like, oh, it's Shyamalan. And I'm like, yeah, but the, 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 the creators of the show are also, you know, helping with the movie. Something that, guess what, Harvey 3? Mm. And I talked about it right here with Josh, uh, Josh McCuga uh, when he talked about the Netflix show. Netflix did the same press release that Shyamalan did. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, for Netflix, but they oh, didn't the do that with Shyamalan. Show? Yeah, oh. I was like, they were involved with the movie too, man. That doesn't really mean oh. much. But everyone's like, oh, but the creators of the show. And I'm like, bro, yeah. <laughs> no. And I told McCook, I'm like, no, <laughs> we've seen this before. And they said the same thing before. But why is everyone cool with it because of Netflix, but not cool with it back then? I don't say we should be less cool with it because of Netflix because yeah. they gave us Death Note. And that's yeah, just one of the worst say, movies ever made. Everyone's like, like Netflix is good. No, yeah. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> this movie is a cautionary tale, not just on how not to adopt ad adapt a source material, but how difficult it is to adapt a source material when it comes to anime. And I know I'm going to hear it from everyone, and I always do, but I really do consider Avatar Last Airbender, what I call it American anime. Um, and this is something that I coined, right? And I've talked about this with Emma and with Wendy, um, who are also Emma Fife, who's a big fan of it too. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I talked a little bit about with her how it's 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 so anime inspired to the point that it's like this weird blend of American um, American cartoons and actual Japanese anime. Um, that's what the La Avatar: The Last Airbender is. But the difficulty of adapting such a sprawling epic journey that's really centered on the characters, and and I really do feel like. You know, he tried and he tried and he failed awfully. And a lot of that is 90% of it, to be honest, RB3, is the writing. It's not, you know, the special effects or anything like that. It's the writing. It's really bad yeah. dialogue. It's Those special effects are nice, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not bad, but it's yeah. really bad. Uh, it's really bad dialogue and it's really bad story structure. And, and it's just not what people forget and I will always say this about every anime adaptation and I really want to do a video about it because I saw another video talking about anime adaptations into Hollywood movies um, especially with Alita Battle Angel coming out um, what I really do feel about anime adaptations is it's not just that Americans can't you know they want to make it white it's not just that that makes it bad you know speaking of white people say oh it's because they're making it white that's not what it is mm -hmm. it really is because of the connection that people have to these animes and the stories that they tell within the 22 episodes or within the 20 episodes or within 14 episodes, however, however many episodes there are in an anime season. And, and, and all the seasons that they have on top of that. I'm talking about stuff like Bleach. I'm talking about stuff like Naruto. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about stuff like uh, Attack on Titan. Um, all these animes, even, even Ghost in the Show, mm -hmm. all these animes that people hold near and dear to their heart have multiple, multiple episodes and seasons 
to dive into what makes the anime great in the first place, RB3, and that is the characters. The characters are the ones that if you don't get the characters right, it doesn't matter if they can do martial art firebending or martial art waterbending or kill giant titans and it's epic. And Mm -hmm. that's why people, that's why Hollywood is obsessed with, oh, Attack on Titan is crazy cool, giant monster, nothing. That literally is like this much of a, like you can do an entire season of Attack on Titan and they just did where there's no titans, Mm -hmm. no titans at all. And, and it's just a story because mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. That's the backdrop. What mm-hmm. matters is the characters. I think I think particularly with uh, a show like Avatar, uh, the, the Last Airbender, that that show, it's like every the whole idea of the show is like the chosen one, like the day the day to day work it, it takes to being the chosen one, like the day to day journey mm-hmm. it does to build up to the to the finale to the climax. Um, so that that particular is really hard to capture in the movie because. Like you don't have the day to day experience you have in, in the show. You have you have to get it done. I think with with anime, with anime adaptations, like you have a real better chance of doing a movie better than uh, a, a show like an anime show adapting that. You, you mean uh, like a live action show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like well, I'm well, I'm talking about like in terms of uh, in terms of like movie adapting a movie. Adapting, oh, making a movie, but you see, yeah. most animes aren't shows. Yeah, but, but I mean, but we're talking. I mean, like in particular with Ghost in the Shell, like Ghost in the Shell was a movie before true. before it was a show. That's true. And they they were me- remaking the movie, but if they would have, like, there's they. It was, That's it's not lo- necessarily true, though. To be honest, but, I mean, yeah, you, as someone you, who's you, seen the series, yeah, I mean, you said yeah, you said they incorporate it, some of the series, but it, I think, but yeah. what, what I'm saying is that like the 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 movie came the first. Mo- the movie, yeah, the movie came first, and yeah. if they were to direct the movie, if they were to uh, directly adapt the movie, a lot of the times, to me, to me at least, I know it's a lot of times, the mo- the, the the adaptation just gets the spectacle of of the thing and doesn't actually understand the value of the what the anime is saying. Like I think in particular to, and there was a great video essay that Nerd Writer One did about uh, the Ghost in the Shell live action versus the. Um, anime in the anime, there's that one scene where you spend the uh, the one scene with the garbage people, and you spend like five, like a good like three minutes with those garbage dudes before one of them turns and, and is is like yeah. reprogrammed. Um, in the movie, you spend like ten seconds with them before that happens. You know? Yeah. So it, it you just you generally so people just don't understand what the anime is actually saying. And same thing with same thing with American remakes of something like Old Boy, like Old Boy, and I love Spike, but you no. Know, like I actually didn't see that movie, the the American remake all the way through. So maybe I'm not being fair, but that he didn't understand. I, I feel like there wasn't an understanding. Maybe not him. Maybe the screenplay didn't have an understanding of what the South Korean ideology and culture incorporated into that story. And that, that that's that's one hundred percent true. Yeah. And, and I people. That's the problem. That's the problem with anime adaptations. That's the problem with anime in general. Is that Hollywood sees it. If I'm a 52 year old, 52 year old executive for, I don't know, Sony or Warner Brothers. And I see this, you know, hey, I want to do this. And I see it and I'm like, hell yeah, that Mm. shit looks dope. But that's not the reason why people like it. People don't like Ghost in the Shell because it looks dope. Mm. People like Ghost in the Shell because of all the super deep, profound themes, uh, uh, political, social themes that Ghost in the Shell tackles. Mm -hmm. Same with Attack on Titan. Same with My Hero Academia. Same with every single anime. Death Note, Mm -hmm. if you've seen the anime for that, tackles very deep, profound themes within characters and within worlds that they create. Mm -hmm. That is something that Hollywood has not been able to do. Every time people ask me, what's the best anime adaptation? I say Inception. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's this much based on Paprika, Mm -hmm. uh, the the anime. 
Um, but that's it. That's it. If you want to make an anime movie, do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, do, do just take the take the idea, take the, the idea, and make it your own. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh, you can't do that. That's you know, you can't do that because this is the greatest anime ever." It's like chill, mm-hmm. and we can able to do that. And all, all obviously, part of this too is name recognition, right? right? Something like Avatar: The Last Airbender is huge versus something like what we're going to see coming out in a few weeks, A Little Battle Angel. Ask your average anime fan; probably hasn't seen that or hasn't read the manga. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The name I, mean, I heard it, about it for You a long heard time. about it, but yeah. it's not quite as big as Ghost in the Shell. Right. Or Attack on Titan or Death Note. Those are huge mm-hmm. properties versus something like an Alita Battle Angel or mm-hmm. versus something like I just said about Inception. Mm-hmm. You know, taking s- smaller anime properties and, 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 and subtly adapting that. That's the way to do it. But again, right. you're not able to do it with something as epic and something as profound as Avatar The Last Airbender because it is, it's a cartoon series, but it's so profound and it's so epic because of all the themes that they tackle throughout the three seasons that they do. Mm. I don't know. It, it's it's something that, to be honest, I don't think Netflix is going to be able to do it either. Yeah. I just really don't. And I, I I talked about it, like I said before, with Josh McCool when it was announced. Nah, count me out. I mean, I'll watch it, but I'm get, I, I, there's no way. There's just, it's unadaptable. You can't adapt. Average. Part of the charm of it is the animation too. That's part of what makes it charming. Yeah, I mean that's a whole separate conversation about yeah. the form of animation and how yeah. that that I I definitely agree. I think that people that's I, you know, and this this might be a little bit of a hot take, but this, I I take a little bit of disheartening to Disney remaking all their animations into live actions because mm. now you're telling people that like oh this medium is the live action like the like to me like oh, man I don't know but I but but then again people are probably going to live with the Beauty and the Beast. And animation more than they're gonna live with the uh, they are the live action ones. But then again, I, I, they made like a billion dollars. They make a billion dollars, so it's it's clearly okay. So they're clearly making their money off. Aladdin's of gonna make a billion. Too. Yeah, Aladdin's gonna make a money. So is Lion King. Lion King's gonna make two billion. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, I I I I, I think the I think we we have to cherish what the form of animation is because it's so. Especially the '90s animation, sure. we're never getting that back. But I feel like there, uh, there's a there's a massive difference, and I talked about this a little bit with uh, what's his face, Adi Shankar, mm-hmm. about anime and adaptation, and about translations between mm-hmm. Japanese. Like the Japanese people watch anime as if it's like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they don't watch anime, and they're not like you know these weird trendy kids who are watching animation, mm-hmm. versus something like a like an Aladdin or a Beauty and the Beast or a Lion King or any other Disney movie. It, it's 100 percent. Almost 100% purely based on nostalgia or on childhood. That's nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Versus yeah. anime is purely based. You're watching some. That's really, culture. It's That's, culture. Yeah. I'm a 35 year old man and I'm watching Food Wars, or yeah. I'm watching whatever food anime. Wars. Oh, dude, yeah. have you seen that anime? Yeah. Oh my god. I fuck the Food Wars. Oh come on. It's, it's weird as fuck though. Super weird. <laughs> it's too weird. It's too weird. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like people watch that and they're like 40. And it's not weird. It's not like a 40-year-old watching, you know, some childhood. The the translation between anime and American audiences versus American cartoons is so different that people, I I think that doesn't translate. Still, nowadays, it just doesn't translate. People watch anime as if it's a live-action show. They don't watch it and think to themselves, this is a cartoon. No, they think, no, this is a real show and this this person's dying or this Mm -hmm. person, whatever. That's the connection they have to those characters. That's the connection that I have as, as an anime fan to those characters. Right. So that's always going to be a disconnect too, on top of everything we just said already. Mm. It's it's too much. It's too many layers to be able to nail, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there's certain little subtle ways to get around it, like I just said about Inception or maybe Alita. Fingers crossed. Um, 
that that can kind of get you around the ability to adapt something. Right. Uh, like an anime. Uh, After Earth. Do you remember this movie, RB3? Um, I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it. I don't it. remember this movie. I don't remember this I remember Jaden Smith. I remember... Yeah. Uh, Jaden Smith, great rapper, though. Great rapper. Hey. Great rapper. Uh, I feel like I'm Goku. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I remember Will Smith being the most dry, uh, angry... Yeah. Military guy in this movie. I remember him like never cracking a smile in this movie. Yeah, I remember Jaden Smith running around fighting off monsters, and that's kind of it. RB three. I, re- yeah. I and I remember the suits. Well, it wanted to be. It wanted to be Avatar. Yeah, like the not the not the Avatar the the anime, but the Avatar the blue people. Yeah, and I feel um, like part of this too, kind of back to back to back to back, kind of goes back to the dialogue, man. I remember the dialogue in this movie being like. Ugh, like yeah. so dry and so well, see, that's, like that, didn't that, make any sense. Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, The Sixth Sense had like ten drafts. Like he had like ten drafts of that screenplay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Unbreakable. He's been working on his entire life. You know, I feel like with with these movies, I don't know if he's not having enough time in the writing process, or but also too. I mean, the movies like Un- Unbreakable. Really, if you look at the dialogue for something like Unbreakable and Sixth Sense. Those and the science dialogue is not really great in that either, it's but true. it's the it fits with the the melodramatic like tone of mm-hmm. of what they're saying. Like they they they, I mean particularly with Bruce Willis, man. Bruce Willis has no emotions, and or in the sixth sense or Unbreakable, just none. But then when he reads those lines, they feel empty because they are empty, yeah. And the performer performing <clears throat> them is empty, yeah. Um and uh, but whereas. And and something like After Earth, like Will Smith is not that kind of actor. Jane Smith is brand new to the scene, essentially. Sure. Um, he was great in Pursuit of Happiness, but he was like five. <laughs> he was in five. He was only in like four scenes. Yeah. Like, well, not four scenes. That's that's not. No, that's but, not he was, accurate, he was, but he was he was in a lot of it. But he wasn't like he wasn't Will Smith in that movie. You know, no. he the, the, this one almost like switched 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 roles. That's like true. it's like Will Smith is like the 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 kid, and and uh, Jane's like the adult. Yeah, he's out in the forest the entire time. Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this was the hook, line, sinker. This was the... Whatever well, this, you, this put Will Smith into retirement, right? Yeah, this is put Will Smith into retirement. This literally <laughs> destroyed Jaden Smith's career as an actor. Like, this is just the... This is the, the Shyamalan at full, like, shittiness. Yeah. Like, this is when This is when his name came in the trailers and people and started people laughing. And people would laugh. That's yeah. 100% true. This is yeah. when Shyamalan was like, all right... I'm, I'm gonna take a break, yeah. <laughs> and he followed that up with um, the visit, which some people would found, call found footage. Just as a return, the, the rise and the yeah. return. Some yeah. people, some people still don't like this movie. Yeah. I've heard, I don't mind it. I, I, I've heard both takes. Really? Um, for the most part, I heard that it's okay, and that it's better than the awfulness that we've gotten. From it's the just, it's, I mean, it's an above average like yeah found footage movie. Like and, uh, <laughs> old, old people old being people. weird. Yeah, I'm it, good. It's not really like. It's just yeah. yeah, it's just like an above average. Found, I, there's nothing really no, more to it, but the fact for Shyamalan coming off of like with, with an after yeah, Earth with an above after, average, yeah, after after Earth true. after Last Airbender, and also it costs like two dollars. Yeah, <laughs> he self financed this movie himself, yeah. uh, which is uh, amazing. Yeah, um, and and again, like he 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 if he I don't know if he felt passionate about this story in particular, but. He told it, and he he he's back to. And it got him. It got him the direction with uh, Split. Yeah. Well, Slip first, is, well, first, let me say before we get into Split, can I yeah. say one more thing? I think the visit, fortunately, is a found footage movie, and I haven't said this throughout the rest of the podcast, but 
I think Shyamalan has a real problem with close-ups. He has a real problem with like how close he likes to put the camera to, to people's faces. Yeah. And um and and fortunately for the visit, it doesn't it's a found footage, so it doesn't really go into that like as much. But man, are those are those moments like in the happening when the camera's like right yeah. here, Mark Wahlberg's like saying, Is it is it the wind? Like, uh, are those moments horrible? Same thing with the last airbender. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of, and he does that. Like I don't know, like in his in in in, in Unbreakable and Signs, he had like some of that, but they were designated to like the perfect moments, you know. And the visit, the visit didn't have any of those. So I I appreciate that. That's the reason I hate Split. The, I hate Split because the, the the shot is just fucking annoying. Uh, Excuse my language. When but. when Split came out, people adored this yeah, movie. People man, hate it. Yeah, people, people love it. People loved love it. it. Yeah. And 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 I and I was I I saw this when it was on HBO. Like six months later or seven months later. And I, did you did you like it? I liked it, but I was like, oh my god! Yeah. Talk about overhyped. Yeah, people. This thought, movie is people said pretty this is good. Like, okay, pretty yeah. fun. They're like this peak horror. They said they this is like, peak horror. Yeah, yeah, I was like, really? This movie made a forty million dollar opening. Yeah. Holy crap, man! I remember my homies coming out of the theater telling me to go watch it, and I was like, all right, maybe. So I was gonna go watch it, and then I just didn't end up going. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I really feel like this movie, one hundred percent, literally all of it, like the mantle, the rock, whatever, whatever you want to say about this movie, the 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 foundation of this entire premise and this entire movie is James McAvoy. Yeah. It's just him having He's fun, great. acting his ass off, and just doing a bunch of roles and performances, and him just being like, "Hey, look, I'm a crazy." Uh, Swiss Army knife. Check yeah. out what I can do, and that's the f- most fun part of the movie. Everything else to me is like, all right, cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just literally like, oh look, he's a lady now. Oh look, mm. he's a little kid. Oh look, he's mean. Yeah. Oh, like that's the. <laughs> See, that was that was my thing. I didn't. Um, it's I, more of a gimmick than anything else. It's a really well done gimmick. Uh, um, but it's literally just James McAvoy having a blast, yeah. having fun, and it, it yeah. works. He's, do- he's he's killing and it. he's kicking ass. Yeah. A hundred percent. But James it. McAvoy is a fantastic freaking actor yeah. and i gotta say this is my my one moment i'll finish on this mm-hmm. did you see snl over last weekend with no, james mcavoy it, no. it was great really? <laughs> it yeah. was i haven't had that much fun with an snl and i see snl every week i saw mm-hmm. the rachel brosnan episode which was okay mm-hmm. um and i saw the james mcavoy one it was so much fun really? it was such a blast I and it's that. literally split yeah. It's him just doing just the most a bunch of characters, different yeah. accents, different characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's one skit that's probably everyone's favorite. It's the most basic thing ever, but it works. And it's him being an air traffic controller uh, for some kids coming out of apparently it's like the fire festival part two or ah, something. That's funny. And they're like trying to land the plane because the pilots passed out. Uh-huh. And it's him being an air traffic controller from Scotland. <laughs> so he puts in his heavy Scottish accent. They're like, excuse me, sir, I don't understand. He's like, you got to plane the plane and float and salt. And, and it's just going, ah. <laughs> and they're like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> it's so funny. That one's great. There's him where he's uh, playing a Philly guy. And he does a crazy Philly accent. Yeah. Doing a, a PR, uh, not a PR, uh, 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 a, a polling uh, commercial thing where they get people in a room and they pull them to see if they like the commercial for charming, mm-hmm. and he's giving and he's just pitching charming commercials and it's so funny. That's mm-hmm. the, probably the funniest one, mm-hmm. uh, where he's just pitching charming commercials and he's like, "All right, the booty hole and the poop comes out and you got to take it back." He swaps it, he puts it in the butt, charming, and he's just like <laughs> dropping the mic every time and he's like, oh, "Let's try that again," and he keeps going and it's just it's funny. That's funny. It's funny. 
James McAvoy, I love the guy. I think the guy, he's my Professor X. He's a fantastic mm-hmm. actor, and and if Different that's the, that's my biggest takeaway from Split, man, is 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 just him he's, having he's fun. Great. He's great. He's um, great. I do think rejoice. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's where that's where I draw the line. Uh, that's where I draw the line. Uh, I just had to say that. Oh my god. See, that's where. See, that's where. I feel like Trump. That's that's okay. So I have a lot of problems with Split. Like even though I like people, him being the lady. The lady is my favorite. No, it's great. No, it, him. Actually, I think the personalities is great. I think. I was disappointed in the personalities because they said, oh, he has 23 personalities, but we only see, like, five. five. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest we see on, like, video screens. And then yeah. I, 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 for me, I, I, I did fuck with Glass because Glass actually did hold to his promise of showing, like, you 20 like, pre- personalities. Did you like Glass a lot? I didn't like, did you like, I didn't the like twist? it. No? You didn't um, like it? I didn't like the movie, no. Uh, I didn't, well, no. Well, it's got my homegirl in it. There's multiple twists, actually. It's got my homegirl oh, in it. Sarah Paulson? Sarah Paulson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I literally yeah. am just watching the movie just for her. No, she... That's it. She has moments. Okay. Um, I don't... We, we're not going to spoil it here, uh, but... Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't even want to really touch on... Let, on let's finish on, up with but, this. But, but Split, though, it's, it's a different situation. With the rise and fall and rise and whatever of Shyamalan, where is he right now? Is he back on the fall? I mean, no, he's not back. I mean, for a split lot of people love Split. Glass, a lot of people I mean, love I'm Split. Talking, glass, Glass. Um, glass, glass is the of, most recent movie. I, I, some people really fuck with Glass, man. Really? There are some people who are adamant defenders I, I of I feel movie. like he's back on the fall, man. Not necessarily. It's not a free fall. It's not yeah. a last airbender fall. Yeah. Um, but I think he's starting to go like, oh, all right, maybe I'm not I'm not all the way back. Like, I, I definitely think Glass is a better movie than, than Split. Like if I were to, yeah, oh, one hundred percent. And I think, I think if, uh, I think if you were, I think honestly, if you were to make like a top, the top four Shyamalan movies, I think you do the first three, and I, I'd put Glasses, okay, a four side. But you didn't like it. But I think the the choices were ridiculous. Okay. But I think the they're they're ridiculous, but they're intentional, and I respect the intention behind it. And okay. like I can't really like say what it is, sure, but without yeah. spoiling it. But I think what he what. What he was trying to say was kind of stupid, but the fact that he like actually said it, said it is yeah. actually hilarious to me. Awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I I do I do think that um, I do think that with with me with Split at least like I, I I just personally don't like Split because I I think the way it exploits I think Shyamalan's whole thing throughout his filmography is exploring uh, 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 trauma and torture and how that affects somebody but this movie it feels like borderline exploit exploitive with the with the girl with the little and, girls and, yeah. And, the, and the, yeah and and the shotguns and and with at the end i i think all of that is like just you, you're just gonna yeah. keep with your backstory too yeah be subtle yeah do do just have be be nice you know like yeah. d- tell you because i i love the sixth sense because it's so subtle i love unbreakable because it's so subtle and split and that's why i i even Get more frustrated by the that whole idea of like, oh, it ties into the breakable universe because it because to me it's like this is like the opposite of subtle. This it's is more exploitative. Yeah, it's more exploitative and it's 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 way more exaggerated. Like this dude's literally climbing on walls, eating shotgun bullets, and you're telling me this is in the same universe that we saw David Dunn yeah. and, and Mr. Glass, where they, they're like struggling through a pool to fight. Like this, it, to me that to me that just that 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 takes it to a whole nother level sure, for me. Sure. And then glass glass has the unfortunate disadvantage of like having to explain why all three of them are like on the same yeah. level. Uh, <laughs> it's it's this world building that, yeah. that he might not nail. Yeah, 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 it's a lot to put in for one movie. So, all right, guys, that concludes our conversation on M Night Shyamalan. Definitely yeah. a polarizing director. 
but let us know in the comments down below what is what do you think of Shyamalan in general what do you think of his uh, what are your favorite movies what are your worst movies I'm a fan even though I'm, yeah. even though I'm, even though I shit on this dude for a lot of this episode I actually am a fan I yeah. think he does warrant the conversation of being a great director that he gets off and uh, if you want to let us know anything follow us on Twitter I'm at Squad Leader Race. I'm at rb 3 Schmoes. and leave us a comment in the First Cut YouTube channel First Cut YouTube channel uh, also SoundCloud SoundCloud.com slash The Meaning of Podcast and um, and of course uh, we also are on Spotify and on iTunes and everywhere else on Collider Factory so Collider Factory fans if you're listening please check out our YouTube channel First Cut and check out our SoundCloud there you go. For the Mini Podcast, I am Ace. This is RB3. And we are peacing out. Peace out, guys. Peace out.